0: Welcome to Mind Over Matter, where we feature young Jamaicans who are shooting for the stars. I'm your host, Margaret Boyne. Remember to subscribe and hit that notification bell. He's a young journalist with the Jamaica Observer. He has received the prestigious Press Association of Jamaica's Young Journalists of the Year for two consecutive years, 2021 and 2022. He's a Calabar High School alum. And a survivor of the military operation in Tivoli Gardens in 2010. He shares his incredible journey about the impact this event had on his life and his journey as an award-winning journalist. My guest is Romardo Lamb. Welcome to Mind Over Matter, Romardo.
1: Uh, greetings. It's a pleasure, be- my pleasure being here.
0: Um, you won the Press Association of Jamaica top young journalist award for two consecutive years. 2021 and 2022. You also received the Raymond Sharp Hugh Crosskill Award for Sports Journalism in 2021. What do these awards mean to you personally and professionally?
1: Personally, I would say that these awards reinforce the idea that, you know, I would have already had that, you know, my work has impact, my work means something, and just also reinforce as well that I am applying what I've learned, you know, because this is what I studied for at university. Mm -hmm. So it reinforces to me that I'm applying what I've learned and I'm doing what needs to be done, you know, without sounding too boastful, it's not... Mm -hmm. meant to be boastful, but it really does reinforce um, those things. And professionally, I would say that, you know, it's intertwined because one shouldn't depend on awards to prove to themselves that they're doing remarkable work. But at the end of the day, I would be lying if I said (laughs) that receiving (laughs) those awards didn't give me at least some... What's the word? Comfort, for want of a better word. Mm. You know, I'm doing good work. I'm going out and getting stories, and these stories have impact. So,
0: Mm. all right. So, what inspired you to to become a journalist?
1: Well, uh, I'm inspired by my life, and I'll explain. So, I grew up in Tivoli Gardens, Mm. and I would have experienced the 2010s. Tivoli Gardens incursion, um, yeah, May twenty third, twenty ten, Labor
0: Day. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
1: just all of the happenings, the occurrences of that day. You know, being under a bed with my family, hoping and praying that we'll, we that we would would have survived, and even moving past that, moving past all the tears and the uncertainty of life, and getting to a point where. You know, we were watching newscasts on TV and just seeing how certain things were portrayed, how certain things were put to the Jamaican people. That kind of thing lit a fire in me to say, at that young age, I was 13, and say that this is something I want to do. Um, I want to tell stories like this. You know, I was innocent. I am innocent. Family members are innocent. And I felt at the time that, a lot of that wasn't being shown the mm. community was just being painted in a light um, that would give the impression that anybody that remained there anybody that was here at the time must have been involved in the wrongdoing mm. and must have been criminals i knew that was not true so at that time i was already thinking that i wanted to tell stories of people who live and grew up in inner city communities so that's mm. really the inspiration Mm -hmm. yeah you know this career path
0: and and this was easily considered one of the most horrific um period in our history and you were actually there i mean we have heard the stories we have read the papers but you were actually there who witnessed it and can you give us the worst experience you had during that time
1: well there are many but one that comes to mind immediately would just be being under the bed, mm-hmm. um, being so terrified, I had a phone at that time, calls were coming in because everybody was checking up, and this is when it just started, mm-hmm. and newscasts and broadcasts, you know, they weren't as detailed, you know, it was just reports of shooting happening in Tivoli. so, you know, your family, your friends outside of the community, schoolmates who would have heard, and, you know, the regional, and I remember I mean, to decline calls because you're just so afraid and you don't know. You just want to focus on what is happening to mm-hmm. know what you're going to do. You know, if things escalate, so I have to be declining calls. And I remember a call coming in from a farm teacher at the time from Calabar High School. Classmates calling me. They just wanted to check up. And those that I managed to answer, I was just you know, whispering and... Mm-hmm. I'm laughing now, <laughs> mm-hmm. but in that moment, I literally thought I was going to die.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so what impact did, did that have on on you and your family?
1: The biggest impact on me from my daughter, that was just to excel, I guess. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes, it but does. It mm-hmm. is so multifaceted as well, because in one, on one sphere, excelling to prove to people that not because I was born and raised in Timberley Gardens, means mm. that I'm going to be running around with a gun and shooting at police. Mm. That aspect. There's mm. one aspect as well where, um, yes, it's like a second chance at life because mm. so many youngsters at that time died. Um, and
0: persons that you know, personally. Yes.
1: So many youngsters did not get a chance to make it to 15, 16, mm-hmm. all of that. So I feel like I was saved by God for a reason and I just had to make the best of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. So did you did you receive counseling after that trauma?
1: No. Mm-hmm. I laugh because that's a question I get a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, in the inner city, you know, we just learn to accept and move on and I won't say that I am not affected I'm not still affected by it but no counseling that's the same for the family we just kept it moving
0: <laughs> mm-hmm but but it's not too late doing a reminder for for therapy because um whether you want to believe it or not it has affected you definitely did that affect um school
1: yes to some extent because immediately following the incursion i remember i had to miss school for like two weeks Mm -hmm. you know just to get sorted nobody was in the frame of mind to send you to school and you know uh my father has a shop in carnation market downtown kingston Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: close proximity to the community at that time you know certainly he would not have returned immediately So things like lunch money and, you know, would have been uh, impacted. So those two weeks that I I would have been out of school, of course, I would have missed out Mm on valuable information, certain lessons. But for the most part, I would say that I was able to bounce back. Mm -hmm. You know, I went all the way up to sixth form at Calabar High School, um, got my subjects and went on to university. So I would say the impact Yes, I was impacted, but it was not on a large scale. Mm-hmm. That would have, you know, thrown me off course and affected me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, talk a little about Calabar. Um, you know, what was school-like, school-life-like? And talk about the support that you got there.
1: Calabar. Let me just start by saying the greatest school in this part of the area. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, my son might agree okay. with that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Calabar, uh, I feel that like that is where the groundwork started for who I am today. You know, as I would have, as, as I said before, the incursion kind of birthed that interest in journalism and news. But had I not gone to Calabar High School, I would not have been exposed to, you know, certain subjects, certain teachers who would have guided me along the way i'm talking about teachers of english language literature um you know who i just found so interesting because Mm -hmm. i love words so that's where everything connected uh the support was tremendous my form teacher at the time miss lynch you know she did everything that she could to ensure that i was resettled and all of that, and even during the incursion, mm-hmm. I would be getting calls, and those that I could cause I couldn't answer, and those that if I answered, it was just like a few seconds to say, I'm okay, I'm not dead. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So that
1: kind of support was, however small it was at that time, it meant mm-hmm. so much and did so much. And guidance counselors, they would check in with me, and it didn't stop at grade seven. Mm-hmm it went all the way up, even to this moment, you know, when I returned to Calabar High School and, you know, speak with younger students. Teachers, guidance counselors, they make it their duty to bring up the inkers and does it feel like to show the students that this is something I experienced and I was still able to rise above that. Mm -hmm. It will, you know, show to the students that no matter what they're going through, they can still excel and stuff like that, so The Mm incursion was, what, 13 years ago? Yeah. (laughs) So long ago, but it's still here. It's still here with Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to your point, that you just raised. It's still not too late for (laughs) counseling. But at the moment, though, I'm not seeing any negative effects. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Hopefully it stays that way, but that's not how life works. But
0: But what about the view, um, your view of... The police?
1: I've heard that question before and I don't. I still don't know if I know how to answer it. But Mm -hmm. to be honest, I don't have any hatred towards police. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it's because I'm a journalist now Mm -hmm. and I know that if one person in a community says that X is a bad person, it -hmm. isn't the view of the entire community. Mm -hmm. So that is also a reflection of the police force. Mm-hmm. Um, the police officers that came in the community at the time you know though their actions cannot be used to judge all police officers mm-hmm. and in my career know I've had to interview work with come across police officers who treated me with respect who appear to be very good people so mm-hmm. I guess that's also something with like everything is everything has to side. It's like a coin. Life is like a coin. So what is on this side isn't necessarily what is on the other side. So yeah, no hard feelings towards police officers at uh, all. <laughs> yes. None whatsoever. <right> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but how are you able to um Ramada, to handle the stigma that comes with um persons who feel a like boy from you from the inner city or especially Tivoli Gardens. Boy, you <clears throat> must bother, you know?
1: And, you know, um, ever since I was young and growing up, even from primary school, Saint Aloysius primary, a lot of people couldn't believe that I was from Tivalega. Mm-hmm. It's it so quiet. <laughs> yeah. I'm very quiet, and even at home, I don't really, I didn't really go outside that you know, I was mm-hmm. always inside watching TV. You know, I could watch TV forever. Um, but how are you with that? I guess you prove those people wrong by just mm-hmm. putting it your books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even if you've gotten past that point, gotten past the point of school, just stick to your craft, own your skills, and all the rewards that come will be a testament to the fact that I am bigger than the stereotypes. Um, mm-hmm. And that not be, if I should not be judged because of where I'm from where I'm going or I should only mm. be judged by my actions and and stuff along that line. Mm. But in I kind of already what the experience was truly interesting. Because mm. that came up I again mean, a lot of people were like, you really come from Tivoli?" <laughs> they want to know everything. They want to know what what, yes, what they what do with the like. fire. They want to know everything. It was crazy, but yeah. <laughs> Never in, in any disrespectful way, you know, just mm-hmm. boys being boys and stuff like that. They want to know if they go to the dance, they want to know if they stay on the road late and all of that. They want to know what they see, <laughs> what they hear, if they can go to that section of the community. Um, <laughs> it was always just so, you know, comical.
0: Mm-hmm. And that just
1: hit me with other classmates who would be from other communities that inner city community so that's like Trenchstone and stuff like that it's just the same thing Mm -hmm. really Too, I think people are just so intrigued that they want to know everything
0: um so you studied at Carimac yes um so where did the funding come from for that
1: whoa all right so as I said my father has a shop in Coronation Market Mm -hmm. that has been the source of my entire academic journey. Of course, Mm -hmm. my mother is there as well. Mm -hmm. When I was in primary school, to the early stages of high school, she worked as a municipal police officer with the Kingston and St. Andrew Corporation. So both combined, but uh, I have to say that largely, my father took care of all of that, even up to university, when tuition was not as small as primary and high school, well, mm-hmm. um, he made so many sacrifices, so. When the mar- yeah, went to the market earlier, stayed later to sell more and get more money. And there was even a point where, because of internal conflicts in the community and, you know, wars and stuff like that, it was risky to be going out so early. And even when he was there early, a lot of people weren't going to the markets, you know, no profits, nothing like that. I started uploading videos to YouTube mm-hmm. and that was what, you know, helped us out. Mm-hmm. I remember one month I got paid from YouTube. It was like 200 and something thousand Jamaican dollars. And I took like mm-hmm. half of that and covered tuition. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was mm-hmm. able to see that my results and stuff like that. Because with you, you know, if you don't pay uh, results come yes. out <laughs> you don't know if you fail or pass mm-hmm. a course and you can't register for the next semester and stuff like that so yeah so I have to say big up to my father mm-hmm. trust me he went above and beyond and I'm forever indebted honestly
0: but but life in Tivoli Gardens though though, Romada I'm sure you didn't see um a lot of persons going off to university looking at the
1: bigger picture the community picture overall yes there weren't a lot of people going to university, especially young men. But mm-hmm. I have this one cousin who was just like my inspiration. I think I told her before. I don't, I don't know if she knows, but when she watches this, she will hear.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, she also works at KSAC. Um, her name is Bania Brown. She's just like a poster person. <laughs> she was my poster person. And I just tried to follow in her footsteps. She went to high school. She got her subjects, went to university and all of that. So that was kind of a path I followed. And other than that, I knew that I wanted to be a journalist. Mm. Even though at the time, I wasn't saying journalist, I was saying media personality. <laughs> and that's a phrase she taught me as well, because I remember oh. when
0: I was.
1: I remember at the grade 10 level, or grade 9, uh, we got to a point where we were supposed to be filling out a form to select certain subjects that we wanted to do that were in line with our career paths. Mm. And I called her and I'm on like, um, the paper, I knew the subjects and everything. And you were supposed to put on the line, what is a career? And I called her and i like, um, oh, must put men and all. And she said, what do you want to do? And I explained, Just <laughs> 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 and she said, put media personality. And she's Uh, um, From that moment, going forward, you know, it's just crossing the hurdles one by one. Mm -hmm. CSEC, CAPE, and then ensuring that I got accepted to university, then at the university level, ensuring that, you know, you do what you have to do to get through semester one, then semester two of year one, then year two comes along if they get through semester one and semester two, then year three comes along and the same thing, so... With the goal in mind to one day be a journalist, um, that is what kept me going.
0: You're you're presently at um, Observer. Jamaica Observer. Um, yes. Did you start out there, or you were started no, somewhere I, else?
1: I started out at the Jamaica Gleaner, where I was on Star Desk.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: started for about a year and a couple months.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: even before that, I did my internship at RJR. Oh,
0: okay. internship school.
1: Yeah. Mm. I've been everywhere.
0: <laughs> so, as a journalist, though, what are some of the, the kind of stories that are or issues that you are passionate about covering?
1: Well, I am a news journalist, but I must say I really, really love doing features, mm. features. And if anybody looks at my work, they'll see that they'll see the link to inner city. Mm-hmm. I was looking at my portfolio the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, I've done so many stories. On Tivoli alone, I just like finding stories with yeah. young people who mm-hmm. are doing great from these same communities. Um, Tivoli Gardens, We're from Denham Town, Trench Town, I love those stories. And when you hear that the struggles they go through, mm-hmm. people with financial problems to kill, like they're in positions where they don't know if they're going to make it out and when you see they mm-hmm. resilience and things they put in place to ensure that they make it those stories mm-hmm. it's like a heart. With, mm-hmm. amidst all of the crime and the killing and everything mm-hmm. those stories, I feel like they do more for the journalists than mm-hmm. they, they do for the people reading them mm-hmm. because if you're writing that man was found beheaded, girl killed and stuff like that you as a journalist you need you know some kind of positivity as Mm -hmm. well so Mm -hmm. those stories they they do that but apart from the features i like going to rural jamaica Mm -hmm. roving and finding stories that people really don't know about Mm -hmm. like for example i did a story in 2021 peak pandemic and i found two young men two cousins like 13 and 12, and they would walk for like miles to get to a point, like a business place, just so they could get internet connection to, to go on online classes. or so Things like that, that we know that connectivity was a big issue with virtual learning, but those stories that like if you don't, if you aren't face to face with the people who are affected, mm-hmm. you really don't understand the scope. What some people have to do, so mm-hmm. I would have told you that I was a house rat always mm-hmm. inside growing up. So, through journalism, I am getting to learn about a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Going to Saint Elizabeth, Westmoreland, I'm never got a place
0: before, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, through going to those places and getting the stories, I'm also feeding myself, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What would you say are some of the challenges that journalists um, face in Jamaica?
1: Oh my gosh, you want me to rant (laughs) now. So I have this issue. (laughs) I have this issue with some people. Mm -hmm. They feel as though journalists, reporters are their enemies. Mm -hmm. For example, well, I don't even have to give an example. You go in an area because of a particular issue. And you will always have those people, I <laughs> like I am here to highlight your issues. I'm here to get your voices, to amplify your voice so these issues can be corrected and stuff like that. And those people who have this negative feeling towards reporters, they always try to persuade other people. So, for example, I go to your family <laughs> and say, Talking to you, and you're willing to speak to me, and I'm there. Somebody yes. comes of, well, talking to them, yeah. <laughs> and I like, yeah. go over there someone, <laughs> and leave the people them. So that is one thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know,
1: I like that, until something happens to them personally. Mm-hmm. And then they will call at 3 o'clock in the morning. They wanted to drop everything and come now. So they don't know the value of reporters until mm-hmm. they're put in a situation where they need to have an, the prime minister hear their their their, their plight or something
0: like that yeah <laughs> they need you then <laughs> all right with the spread of fake news and misinformation how you ensure though that your stories that report are accurate
1: more precaution
0: mm-hmm.
1: i when it comes on to my work i'm a coward <laughs> I said that to my managing editor just <laughs> to it. for real because I don't want to be sued And <laughs> then I don't want to put out anything and then social media is such a big thing now yeah. I don't want mm-hmm. to know anything about you and then all you have to do is go on your IG and say Ramada Alliance is such a liar and mm-hmm. that and that everybody come and attack me mm-hmm. so you really have to check, double check, triple check mm-hmm. uh and it's easy to be led astray, you know,
0: mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm.
1: with social media. right? People will post that X did this to them and all of that. You can't just go with that. Mm-hmm. You have to check X and then you have to check the people who know X and then you have to get confirmation. So you can't just run with one side. So no more than ever, trust me. Mm-hmm. You can't just take someone's word for it. You have to ensure that all the... Uh, I's are dotted and all T's are crossed.
0: And what I've noticed you know, in social media, like everybody's a journalist now. So, how does it affect you as a real journalist?
1: <laughs> this was something we discussed. Um, I discussed with some friends of mine who are also journalists. Uh, I'm not sure I know how to answer that as well. It's a, how it affects me, but I know it affects the. Profession. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: For example, let's say a child was killed in Clarendon. Mm -hmm. Someone who has a smartphone can go to that community in Clarendon, they video everything, they show you the blood, the gore, everything. And we find that people actually. Some people love that. Some people want to see that. They want to see everything. They want to see the blood splatter, all of that. So they will go to that person's YouTube channel or Instagram page and you know feed their curiosities. Mm -hmm. As a journalist, there are certain guidelines you must follow. Mm -hmm. So in a situation like that, I shouldn't have said killed. Let's say a child was attacked and the the child survived. Mm -hmm. As a journalist, you know we can't name the child you won't be able to reveal any information that could trace back to the child's identity The so stuff like not showing the house not mentioning the community not referring to the child by name or stuff like that people who want like everything undiluted they are going to feel as though the journalistic reports Aren't enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so sometimes we have to contend with that because it's almost as though we are not giving the people the information that they need or giving them Mm -hmm. everything. But really and truly, we have to be careful. And even with putting out the news, we have to ensure that people are protected Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's one of the big issues now with the social media journalists Mm -hmm. and (laughs) them having everything. Yes. And then you did an uncensored here. Mm-hmm.
0: So what what is your work hours like? And um do you make time to have fun?
1: I have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man, uh so I'm a Sunday reporter. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm not required to be present at mm-hmm. our office mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But during those hours, I'm not just saying it's because it's recorded, I put in the work <laughs> as, <relates> <laughs> as it relates to ensuring that when Friday comes and I have to submit, I have enough stories, you know, so my editor can see that I actually did work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't say I'm confined to any work hours in a physical space mm-hmm. and I'm usually at home working from home but, but other than that though I think I've been able to strike a balance mm-hmm. and not get too consumed and you know be mm-hmm. all about work mm-hmm. I'm also a poet so I like to write I enter a lot of poetry competitions and stuff like that so okay. I would say that yeah there's a balance
0: mm-hmm. Oh, so you have, won, you have some, won some competition as well in poetry? Yes, in mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, in 2020,
1: I got the Edward Bauer Prize for Poetry from the National Library of Jamaica. Okay. And then I, I got a similar award just this year. Mm-hmm. Um, It was an award of high recommendation for same category and everything. Mm-hmm. In addition to some JCDC medals. So, yeah. I just love words, writing, and um, creating new reality.
0: Mm. Who, who are the journalists um, in Jamaica who, who have inspired you?
1: <laughs> All right, so growing up and at the point when I wanted to be a media personality, mm. the two people I would see every um, every day, every night. Would be Darren Samuels and Michael Sharp, you know, primetime anchors. Mm-hmm. So, those two, sadly, they are both gone, but, you know, their work and their impact remain. Mm-hmm. Remain. Yeah, so yeah. those two. But now, one of our hard hitting journalists that inspires me would have to be Diane Jackson Miller. Mm-hmm. You know, her being relentless, her.
0: Yes, she's being one of the best.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yes. Getting mm-hmm. to the truth or getting to the core, no matter what, that kind mm-hmm. of thing is very admirable. So,
0: mm-hmm. right, what advice do you have for any aspiring journalists?
1: My advice to aspiring journalists is that this is a career of passion a passion to get news out, a passion to write, and if it's TV, a passion to. Broadcast and stuff like that. This is not a get rich profession, (laughs) it's (laughs) just to feel your passion, and that is so important. It Mm. It is very important. If you're passionate about something, you should chase it relentlessly, Mm. pursue it, and all things will fall into place. Mm. So just pursue, 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 and you will be rewarded.
0: So, Ramada, before you leave, I wanted to leave a message for the young men in Tivoli, Tivoli Gardens, um, a message of inspiration or encouragement. All
1: right. So my message to young men in Tivoli Gardens right now is to take control of your life. It is your life. You don't have to worry about what people think about you because you're from Tivoli Gardens. You don't have to worry about um, what your friends are doing or what other young men in the community are doing. Don't get too caught up with peer pressure. Just find your goals, find your passion, and find a dream that you want to you know, that you want to become a reality. And put everything in place, all the necessary steps, highlight all the necessary hurdles, you have to jump over to get to that end goal, and you should be fine. Detractors will come, issues will come, there will be hurdles. But if you are focused and if you do what is right you should be able to achieve what you want. So mm-hmm. get to it.
0: Yes, and Ramada, you have proven that it can be done. You have done it. So they, they, they're they actually seeing that. So I want to say thank you, though, for for being here on Mind Over Matter. I really enjoyed this conversation and um, continue writing. I'll, I'll continue to read the articles and mm-hmm. continue being a role model.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure being here. I enjoyed the conversation as well. And I will continue writing so you can continue reading. (laughs) Boy, with God up above, I hope that I can continue to be a role model, continue to inspire. It's all God's doing, by the way.
0: (laughs) Yes, it was great having you.